Welcome to the message podcast for Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. Make sure you join us each Sunday at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road and a new campus in East Rockingham at 414 Southeast Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, at our Harrisonburg campus, we have a Spanish campus that meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. Check out our website, cotnaz.org, for more information. Come check out my North Star Christmas tree topper at Levitate's. Is this a gummy bear? Yeah, we lost baby Jesus. Hey, check out these LED lights. I have them synced up to a 76-hour all-Christmas music playlist. There's my little Christmas DJ. (laughs) (laughs) So, are you waiting till Christmas is over so you can go buy a new nativity set when they're on sale? Huh? No, no, oh no. We lost baby Jesus like 11 years ago. Is, is baby Jesus always a gummy bear? Oh, no, oh, we trade it out every year. Yeah, like uh, last year it was a uh, tiny troll doll. <laughs> and the year before that we used a uh, dog treat. They were the perfect size, but <laughs> Dalton kept taking them and eating them. You, you mean your dog kept stealing them? No, my son Dalton, he loves those dog treats. Especially the peanut butter ones. There was one year that we used a, uh, a doll head. That was creepy. We, we made a modeling clay, baby Jesus. So the dog took that one too. Um, one year we got desperate and used an ice cube. That was a miss and a mess. Yeah, just seems like everything we try to replace baby Jesus with never lasts. Say that again. Everything we try to replace baby Jesus with never seems to last. And? And what? Say it again, slowly. Why? Just do it, dulcimo, slowly, do it. I don't understand what's happening. Just do it. This is getting weird. Dang it! Fine! But when I'm done saying this, you're gonna march in here and you're gonna watch my star levitate. Fine, 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 do it. Fine. Everything we try to replace baby Jesus with never seems to, oh, yep, there it is. Okay, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Nothing can replace Jesus. So Eliza's aunt got us this little nativity set uh, before Christmas. A little plastic nativity set, which is really convenient because if you step on one of the figurines on the way to the coffee pot of the morning, it doesn't pierce your foot. It sends you to the ceiling, but it doesn't send you to the hospital for stitches. So it served to be a really great way that we could teach Eliza visually the story of Christmas And in a moment of total transparency, I've enjoyed playing with it because parents, you feel me on this, if it comes to your house like that, entitles you to play with it too. So we got a train set yesterday already and I'm kind of enjoying that. But this nativity has served as a way, a teaching moment for us uh, that we can point to 
Eliza and teach her the story. And I remember the first time I saw this thing scattered across the floor. Now, now mind you, we live in a pretty small house currently with uh, two dogs, two cats, and a two-year-old. And that combination, things just go awry all the time. That's just, that's just it. But I remember the first time I saw this scattered across the floor, I, I realized that baby Jesus wasn't attached to the manger. And I thought, really? On a kid's set? Like of all, we, we couldn't have like glued him in there or tied him to a string to something because my first thought was literally, oh boy, he's a goner. Because like this is the smallest piece of the whole set. And I'm thinking, there's no way we'll keep up with this together because I, I'm already seeing it in my mind. Well, next year perhaps maybe we're, we're working through the story and, and we're telling of the shepherds and the sheep and the donkey's probably my favorite, and then you, you get the camels and the wise men and all uh, Joseph and Mary, and then we're going to get to the most important piece in Jesus. It's going to be MIA because he's not attached. The most important piece. And as I was reflecting on the future fate of baby figuring Jesus in our nativity, said I, I've come to think that maybe that could happen to us. That maybe... We could have all of the pieces, we could have all the other pieces of Christmas, of our Christmas story, our traditions, our cookies, our gifts, but yet we could have misplaced Jesus at the center of it all. As we step into our Christmas Eve text tonight in Scripture, that's a little bit of the image that we get of the arrival of Jesus, the arrival of a king into a world that simply said, no room, no room. If you have a copy of scripture with you tonight, I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 2. Uh, you can do that in a traditional Bible or in your smart device, or in the words will be up on the screen. We're going to dive into Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Uh, this is the Bible's account of the events that are happening right before Jesus was born. Verse 1 of chapter 2 in Luke says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone, everyone went to their own town to register. Now imagine today, let's, let's take a step into this story. Imagine today if the government declared that you have to go to your hometown no matter what. Now, remember, if we're stepping into Christmas story, we're not driving. We're not going to fly, take a train, and you're not going to have your favorite sneakers. No, you're going to be in a ragtag pair of sandals, and there's going to be a camel or another beast of burden to get you there. So think about that for a minute. Three miles an hour, how long is it going to take you? I mean, for some of you, that might be like right down here in town, or that might be across county or across the state, but where would you have to go today to go home? And your camel, that's right. We've got to get everybody there. So let's take it one more step. To make this journey even worse, so you're already walking in less than desirable shoes. We don't have our favorite Nikes or Crocs, and we're taking our belongings, so we're out of work. We're having to pay to travel. We've got to buy supplies to go. What's even better is we're being told to go somewhere so we can be registered for a tax hike. Like, Joy to the world, right? Like that's the first thing that comes to your mind. Let me walk three days for a tax hike. That's, that's the essence of Christmas. That's what's going on in the air of this story. Just put yourself in that position for a moment. Imagine the buzz around the people that are journeying with you. Would it be a, an air of aggravation maybe? Certainly some inconvenience, right? Perhaps hopelessness? 
that this Roman government would never get their foot off of our throats, that this, we would never find our rightful place as God's people again. That's the error of the Christmas story. That's kind of what's happening around as this story unfolds. These are the moments that God chose to break in and do a new thing in Christ Jesus. Let's pick back up in our story in verse 4. It says, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Now, Luke has gone to pretty intense detail here, and he's trying to get us to see that Christmas Eve, this story was not ideal. It wasn't necessarily perfectly laid out in the eyes of the participants, if you will, those who are walking, who have taken off work for a tax hike. The journey would have taken this couple about three days. Now, you can imagine uh, if you've ever experienced pregnancy or been around that, swollen feet, craving for pickles, the whole thing on this way to the three-day journey. And it says that Mary was pledged to be married to him, and she was expecting a child. And you kind of get that, right? Like there was a, a little bit of a cloud of scandal around this precious young couple. Because, I mean, think of the story they had to tell, right? I don't know that many people bought it. And so as they're leaving their hometown, they may perhaps be but leaving behind a cloud of shame or feeling of gossip going around the town. Luke has painted a very clear picture for us that this story was not ideal. Let's continue in verse 6. While they were there, while they were in Bethlehem, the time came for baby Jesus to be born. So this is the threshold of the moment of Christmas. Verse 7, it says, And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Ask yourself today, why out of all the details, of all the things we would love to know in this story, why does Luke include this one specific detail? Let's read it again. It says, And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Have you ever wondered why Luke recorded that? Why has that reality transcended thousands of years that we have it today? I mean, it's a detail that would have been delivered by a nameless, faceless character in the innkeeper. Is that just a random coincidence that we have that today? I mean, think about the rest of the story. Like, we had prophecies that we can trace through Genesis all the way up into the New Testament, into this moment. We have prophecies of God saying, I am going to break in and do a new thing. Uh, Messiah is coming. God even used a, a corrupt and, and, and tyrannical Roman government to usher this family into Bethlehem, which fulfilled so many prophecies that the Messiah was to be born in the town of David. We had angelic messengers to bring the good news to Mary and to Joseph and, and to call the shepherds in. And, and we have the star that brought the wise men. And, and these guys traveled long ways. They weren't even necessarily a part of the people of God. But yet they saw and they wanted to worship and they've come. And so we have all these details carefully orchestrated. And we have to ask, why didn't he arrange a more fitting place for Jesus' arrival? The reality of the Christmas story, friends, the truth that Luke has preserved for us is that God did arrange a place for Jesus to be born. 
And that was in a manger. That was in a manger. You see, in, in the life story of Jesus, his first rejection happened before he was ever even born. Before he even broke onto the scene, we see the first rejection in the words, no room. No room. This is a, a subtle and yet powerful truth that gives us a reminder of the rejection that would mark the arrival of Christ, yes, but it would also culminate in his rejection in the cross of Calvary. And it's a reminder for us today on Christmas that it is a rejection that still takes place today. Can I just ask you a question tonight, this afternoon? Why are you here? Why are you here? Like, is the Christmas Eve candlelight thing just one of those things you always do, so we're checking a Christmas box? Why are you here? Did somebody make you come? I mean, I've been there. More than one church service I've attended because somebody made me. But why are you here right now, in this moment? Why are you here? Is it possible that whatever your answer is to that question, is it possible that God has, has so orchestrated your story to get you in this moment, to get you here? Is it possible? The ruckus of the Christmas, the rear view mirror of this whole past year, whatever may be in it for you, is it possible that though we may not have seen it coming, we may not have seen the details fold out, but you have wound up here to hear a story that you probably know, you've heard maybe a thousand times, but has God brought you here to ponder the question and to ponder the invitation to hear the words, no room. To hear the words, no room. Jesus would say much later in his life and in his ministry, in the Gospel of John chapter 14, beginning in verse 1, he would say these words. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. Friends, the story of Christmas and the story of Jesus' life is a story and a life lived that says, I have made room for you. Do you have room for him? today, right now, in this moment that God has orchestrated, whether you were drug here or this was your Christmas checklist, in this moment, ask yourself that question, do I have room for him? Will we be people who invite him in, who make room we respond that there's just no room. There's just too much busyness. There's too much happening. I mean, you can dive into the details of the story of what scholars think was happening, why they couldn't find room. We have all those stories, all those even excuses of, of being so busy or it's just not the right time or I feel like i got to get this straightened out before I can say yes to Jesus. But God's grace has brought you to this moment. Will you make room for him today? This Christmas Eve you receive the gift of 
of Christ Jesus. We're going to pray here in just a moment, and we're going to transition into our candlelight portion of the service. But before we do, we're, we're going to pause specifically and just open up a moment of invitation, a moment of grace. That we can say, yes, Jesus, I want to make room for you. Because when we make room for Jesus, we're saying, Lord, I need to be forgiven. I need to know your life in me. I need to know what it is to be born again. I need to make room for you, Jesus. Would you pray with me today? Father in heaven, um, there's not much about the Christmas story that makes a lot of sense to us. Like, why wasn't a five-star hotel and a a plush bed arranged? But God, you had a plan. In your upside-down kingdom, Lord, you have shown us what true humility, what true power, what true love is. And Lord, that when you left the throne room of heaven, you showed up in an animal's feeding trough and said, I have made room for you. Lord, today we want to make room in our hearts for you. Lord, we don't want to just know about you, Lord. We want to experience intimacy with you. And so, Lord, we invite you in today. We acknowledge that we need you. We need forgiveness, Lord. That apart from you, we're hopelessly lost. But Christmas says, I have come. And so, Lord, we receive you today receive you, Lord, the gift of Christmas. We love you today, Father, and it's in your name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at for any questions about our church. When you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.